<laughs> Manchester, <laughs> back in the hood. I haven't seen you for ages. I know, yeah. Two years? Yeah, like pre-pandemic, man. Yeah. My 41st birthday, because I couldn't have a 40th, because I was busy, too busy. I know, and then I'm 41 in a week, so... Don't believe you. That shows you how long I've not Lies. seen you Lies, you're 30 forever. <laughs> I totally am. So, Manchester Art Gallery. Yeah. It's massive columns, and the facade at the front, and brownstone, massive brick things, um, sculptures embedded into the, into the walls... Really impressive building, but it's kind of like dwarfed, isn't it, by the more modern, taller buildings yeah. all around it. You know what? I think new buildings even have sprung up since the pandemic. I'm sort of looking down now, and I can't. There's a few things I don't even recognise. It's very quickly developing Manchester City Centre at the moment. Every time so, I come back, it's like it's changed. Totally changed. I'm like, yeah. where am I again? Yeah. There's the Trans. Metrolink <laughs> going past in the background. Yeah, wicked. So it's beautiful, isn't it? It really stands out amongst all the kind of more boxy buildings that are, that are more recent. This is just such a beautiful, curvy, classical architecture sort of space. Shall we go in? Yeah, let's do it. Yo, I'm Testament, playwright, rapper, world record holding human beatboxer. And I am here at Art Assembly 2022 at Manchester Art Gallery with my old friend. And compadre, Hannah Taylor Jackson, musician, composer, and just one of the nicest people I know. Oh, thanks. Oh, <laughs> okay, up the steps we go. Oh, no. Do you know what? I'm loving being back in the city centre again. I've not been this deep into the city for a while. So, it's starting to inspire me already. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Love this Look entrance. this. Absolutely beautiful. This is amazing. It's, it's so tall, isn't it? I've been in here quite a few times, like when I was a kid, teenager in particular, on school trips and stuff, but I didn't really clock how impressive this this sort of atrium-y area is. Atrium? Would you call it an atrium? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I don't know what, what entrance bit. Um, it's very yeah. imposing, isn't it? It's just, it's huge. It's really tall. It's like three storeys, four storeys. Yeah. Really I mean, sort of... I've never really clocked ornate. all the gold, kind of. There's a lot of rich reds and greens and gold in the decor and it's I don't remember that last time but I guess it must have been here it reminds me a little bit of Grand Central Station in New York yeah I know what you mean hi guys welcome to the art assembly at Manchester Art Gallery hey we've got our national art passes we're a free to all gallery but with the national art pass you get 10% off in the gift shop bonus there we go let's do this there you go so today we're recording a special edition of Meet Me at the Museum here at Manchester Art Gallery. This is the epicentre of the festival. Ten local artists have made art to the theme of City as Art School. It's a one-day festival, but the art will leave a legacy, so keep your ears and eyes open. I haven't been here in time. When was the last time you were here? Um, I'm trying to think as well. It just feels like it's been a part of my life for a long time, but um, I think when I was at uni, probably, I used to come when I had... Um, Writer's block when I was writing music and I'd come and kind of stare at the you pictures. Did comp- you did composition, didn't you? Yeah, I did composition. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I used to get a bit intense doing it intently like that, so I used to come here for a bit of inspiration and look at a bit of art. <laughs> when did we first meet? I was just trying to think that on the way over. I mean, I feel like I've just known you forever, but um, I think it was when I was a student and I used to run a load of nights called Backslider and we booked one in a really big venue in Manchester. And uh, someone said, oh, you want to get this guy? He's a wicked beatboxer. And so I looked you up and uh, we booked you for that. 
and it was actually a massive flop the night. Do you remember? Was, <laughs> yeah. You, know, you didn't hate me for the empty room. You like? <laughs> well, no, you joined my band. You joined you my got band. Me so, in your band. So we were what seven years or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, on and off touring, yeah. bit creation festivals. Oh, that was fun, wasn't it? It was. It was dope. It was dope, and you always smashed it. So. Oh, thanks. And I remember because you. You've got like jazz chops and soul, amazing, ridiculous soul voice and the crazy range. And you taught me some rapping. I did a bit of backup. Yeah, rapping. you were my backup. I was your backup. <laughs> we were spitting bars together. We did some cool gigs, man. Let's be freestyle real quick. Let's be freestyle real quick. Yeah, we can do. All right. How long has it been since we jammed together? Time. Right, let's do a jam. Here we go. <laughs> It's art, mm. an assembly of art, Ooh. Mm. everybody, everybody, come, mm. freedom for your soul, freedom for your mind to roam, Testament. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 We need some love. <laughs> Boom, we're outside Manchester Art Gallery. And, well, actually right here where we are, um, there's going to be like a crazy artwork thing from artist Robert Parkinson. Oh, cool. So let's talk to him. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Robert, oh, um, what's happening? It's a bit of an hard one to describe to people, this one, because it's, I think, typically my artwork previously is like all about photography. Yeah. And uh, it's quite easy to be like, you know, it's a framed work or it's a magazine or what have you. This is more like a vehicle for that artwork. The idea being that um, we wanted to activate the city, so we wanted to disseminate work, we wanted to be inspired by the city, mm-hmm. and we wanted to exhibit on the day in the city. So it's quite a big feat to try and do. But um, yeah, it was kind of like, so we're basically dragging a printer around the city <laughs> and uh, asking the students to photograph, asking the students to respond. And then we're printing, uh, correlating, and uh, pasting and exhibiting all so, in one so you, day. You're printing these images live yeah. and then putting them up in around the city. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, yeah, we're just going to have the printer hid underneath these huge columns outside. And, uh, yeah, 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 it's really fun. Uh, I'm quite nervous about it all, but, <laughs> but you know, uh, it, that's all part of the fun. Right now we're under the columned arches of Manchester Art Gallery. And ultimately, it's not really... Oh, well, it kind of is a vehicle, but it's a Xerox on top of a massive trolley. Right. <laughs> And uh, we're dragging it through town, so it's about. So it's not like my home printer. Not really, no. It's, it'll be, you know, it's it's five foot high. Wow. It's buckling the uh, wheels really? <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so we've got to keep our eye on that one. And yeah, it, it's got a flatbed top scanner, so we can scan things. So the idea being, like, even if people have got stuff in their pockets or if there's something on the street, we can flatbed scan it and print it out. We can even like enlarge artworks. We've got um, an instant camera called an Instax Fuji. So if you want an instant picture, 
And then with flatbed scan it, we could blow that up. So it's literally instant photography, instant editing, and then instant like putting it up on the wall. What do you want the legacy? What do you want people to take from it? What do you want to leave people with? Uh, well, uh, it's again, it's, it's 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 a vehicle more than anything. For me, it's like a way of elevating um, students' work. It's a way of like showing people who are just walking in the street a process that they might not see. Wow. It's very different from photographing a screen on a monitor and then actually printing. Printing mm, is totally yeah, different. Yeah. So I've been through with every student, like how we're going to change colour levels on the Xerox for each yeah. artwork so it'll kind of boost it in some way. So I, I hope that people might see that process a little bit mm. and I hope that they kind of see it as like a celebration of print really within yeah. Manchester. My, my, my big dream is that we do this every year yeah. with That's a different cool. group of people. Yeah, Come yeah. on Manchester Art Gallery, let's go. Yeah, 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 <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> right. Now we're off to see one of the new artworks for the festival, Lost Eons, mm. Three Worlds. It's by David Blandy, made in collaboration with uh, learning disabled artists. I think they're imagining what Manchester's going to be like in 8,000 years' time. And we're entering the lecture theatre where it is. Wow, listen to that, Hannah. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that, to have a sound installation at a... An art gallery, that's cool. This is a very calm space. Do you have that thing of being able to um, tell what kind of chord it is just by listening, from it, by it? Yeah. You like minor, Major minor chord, first inversion. Wow. <laughs> I have to teach that. So, these are the images projected on the screens and they are kind of mystical. There's some which really remind me of anime and I'm a massive anime geek. These futuristic creatures that are half human, but sort of like with horns, and um, this lovely sort of skyscapes with sort of bleeding colours, the colours bleeding into each other. It's lovely. It's got a kind of magical feel to it, hasn't it? It's, yeah. it's futuristic, but it also looks sort of mystical and magical, a bit like Midsummer Night's Dream, some of these creatures, kind of half fawn, half person. I love this one. There's a, there's a guy with a hoodie. And he's got some sort of weird face mask on. You can't see his face. The face is totally obscured for darkness. And it's got a face mask and horns sticking out of this uh, red hood. Yeah, it's quite dark, quite yeah. imposing character, that one. It's like a, the remix of uh, Little Red Riding Hood or something. Let's imagine we are on Market Street in 8,000 years' time. What's it like now? I reckon it's still buskers, right? Yeah, there will definitely still be buskers, but I guess they might be playing some kind of, like different instruments that we've never seen before like crazy future flutes or something I don't know <laughs> future flutes that, I, I ended up doing a gig um, for a, a council randomly the other day and I ended up speaking to some enterprise czar or whatever and they were talking about the need for green space and mm -hmm. like you know sometimes you go around a street and there's a shop boarded up now in the city centre and you're like oh what's going on because everything's gone online now and all that sort of stuff. So what's the future for a city centre now? And they were like, oh, maybe green space could be the way. So maybe 8,000 years. And, like, the city's built on these rivers and canals and there's a stream that goes under Tib Street, that hidden stream and all this stuff. So maybe it was going to be, like, Venice or something. Yeah. Especially with global cool. warming. Yeah. I mean, Manchester does have a lot of canals, so I could imagine them uh, it's happening to its Venice qualities. That would be cool. Yeah, maybe that would be the case. Maybe the shops will just be really tiny, just so you can kind of, you know, 
one t-shirt of every type and you can go and just try it on but uh, everything else is online in terms of the people probably wearing mad futuristic clothes that protect us all from global warming quantum clothes <laughs> floating Think. on hoverboards i don't know <laughs> It's funny, though, because people have had that image of the future, the stereotypical hoverboards, floating cars, for 100 years now, and it's still kind of not happened. So maybe it won't actually be that different. Who knows? You know what, though? Like, So George Orwell used to work at Manchester, not even news, but Manchester Reporter, or different Manchester paper, anyway. So he, like, in 1984, like, a lot of his predictions came true, good and bad. Mm -hmm. But, like... You know, the ideas of video conferencing and stuff like that, that's all real. Yeah, true, true. Um, you know, I can literally pick up my phone and talk to my mum in Ghana. She's back in Ghana for a bit. I can go talk to her on my phone. It is bananas. So I think it's time for me to evaporate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's art. Mm. An assembly of art. Yeah, 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 yeah. So we're in back outside again, and I don't know about you, but I didn't really look at the pavement on the way in. I'm noticing yeah. now that there's really cool artwork down there and about kind of on the cracks in the pavement, and I think we're going to meet the, the artist who created this work. Hi. Hi, <laughs> I'm Helen Mother, and I'm Anna F.C. Smith. Oh, and if, do you want to come down the steps and we'll show you what we've done in front of the trams? Yeah, we just walked down the steps to the art gallery onto the pavement. Right. Yeah, so you see the artwork is right on the pavements, right in front of where all the trams are going by. It's pretty much it is on one of Manchester's busiest streets, yeah. And here we've got um, we've got a pattern. It's a bit of a trail, really, mm. coming from the art gallery and heading down around the corner uh, so cool. towards um, the college. So we developed this pattern with students from Manchester College who looked at 18th and 19th century Manchester botanical societies okay, wow. as their inspiration. So these were like working class, um, mainly men, but sometimes women, often weavers, who got together um, in pubs and um, started to study botany, even though they had no education themselves <laughs> and were often illiterate. So they come together to buy books and then they would read them to each other so they're kind of way of co-learning together that's and such like, a proper manchester story yeah yeah and they were like they would paint up like pictures of flowers on their um, we, um, looms as they were weaving so they were kind of like really coming from a p- position of no knowledge and teaching themselves without any kind of authorities kind of getting involved so we wanted the students to kind of get that sense of um how you can kind of like pick up botany and stuff in the city and also like track the changing landscapes of the city and just start to look for those little bits of moss and lichen that are happening around this urban landscape oh, that you I imagine. That. I had to write my first ever nature essay this this year. Oh, wow. Um, and literally one of the sections is when I was a kid riding around Manchester and for, look at, think, thinking about the moss in between the... Wow. You'd literally say literally. anything. Yeah, yeah. Like, in between the cracks in the pavement. It's, yeah. like, it's yeah. like at the bus stop when you just see that one little dandelion sitting there like kind of poking through the sign for the for the bus stop or it's whatever. It's like resilience. It's like it's coming through. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, not being taken down. I think one of the things that we did was we worked with the students. They were fashion textile students. So we wanted to kind of create something with them that sort of gave a bit of a visual identification of, uh-huh. of, of, um, of a club or a society but we worked with them um, we took them out for a walk with an ecologist from MMU Dr Emma Coulthard okay. who's um, yeah, a senior lecturer at MMU 
and they literally looked between the cracks and things and they looked at things that they weren't that just looked barren or uh, very industrial uh, and yeah. very sort of urban yeah. and found things through like hand lenses and things like that so that's where they came up with this phrase this looking looking between the cracks I thought it was, you know I thought it was about Tupac you know, <laughs> you know the Tupac thing? <laughs> you don't know, actually. Tupac famously wrote a poem called The Rose That Grew From Concrete, and it was oh, literally no. a poem about flowers that grow out of Oh, out well, of yeah, but it size. is about that, then. It is exactly what um, it's about. Yeah, yeah, we're so hip-hop right now. <laughs> yeah, so, so what do you want to leave people with from this from this work? Is there, is there like, a, a, a legacy you're going to leave behind? Yeah, well, we kind of were so inspired by these botanical societies from the 19th century. They were all around Greater Manchester, so we're kind of going round Greater Manchester, trying to spread this word, really, and trying to get people... Spread the seed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly, spread the seed. And uh, try and get people excited about looking and about observing and about kind of having a claim in, in the place where they live. Yeah, a claim to the sort of environment and to start observing that environment so they can start to notice when things are changing because these 18th century, 19th century botanists were looking at a time of Manchester under great change, you know, industrial revolution and all that. And now, obviously, we've got climate crisis and there's changes happening all the time. But if people are just looking and observing and they're noticing there's, maybe there's more flowers or less flowers than there were last year, they just start to make these notices without feeling like they need to have a full ecology degree to do that. Mm. You know, like these men didn't, these, yeah. like these working and people didn't. They were didn't just curious from, and that's and yeah, people. it's just to be spread the idea that you can be curious and, and you can um, become a part of botanical society just through that curiosity and just our botanical society is slightly a state of mind. Yeah, <laughs> so exactly. It's like it's an open thing and it's yeah, not something that's bound by terms and conditions. Yeah. Both of us, we've met in cities a lot, haven't we? But in Manchester in particular, it's just a really beautiful city. You know, you know, I, you know I actually have withdrawal symptoms. Do you? Like, I'm really, really, like, I'm now an adopted Yorkshireman. I'm very proud. My kids are Yorkshire. I've married Yorkshire. You know, I, I, I live in a valley. I, yeah, I can't believe that I don't live in a city. Mm. It's weird. No, I've had the river Over the pandemic, we, did, we considered, like, oh, do we want to move somewhere where there's a bit more space? Because our garden's not that big. Um, but I just love the proximity to you know, getting out and coming into town. I, for some reason, it just inspires me more than probably the countryside at this point in my life. I guess it might not always be the case. But you've always been like... That's one yeah. of the reasons I asked you to come on this, is, like, you've had a heart for the city. Yeah. Like, for a long time. Yeah. Like, you're passionate about the people and the place. Yeah, I do just... I don't know what it is. something just always inspires me. Eccles case. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> is that what you, why you wrote him... Um, what's that tune we used to do? City song. City, city song. Yeah. Yeah. And it co- That's like, all about that, isn't it? I'm loving it because um, there's that line, what was it? Um, my head's bowed like a Lowry life work. In a city life, like it's timeless. But my heart beats between the, the silence and the, the sirens. sirens. Yeah. yeah, I remember. Old school. <laughs> it's been amazing checking out this art assembly stuff. Because even though it's like just a one-day festival, the legacy of it will be felt in many ways throughout the city. Like this, right here, Manchester Art Gallery has loads of permanent exhibitions people can come and see anytime they want. So let's go get a little taste of that. Come on, let's go. Yeah, man. Wow, look at this space. I love this room. You can sort of feel a gravitas to it already, and I'm just looking at the sign. It's Lowry and um, Villette, and I wonder if that's why. It just feels like 
hefty paintings. It, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's really beautiful. Loads of urban landscapes, very sort of moody looking. Love a bit of Lowry. This is great. Sprinkling of people through the room. There's so many Lowrys on the wall. Lowry and Vallette. Well, we'll have to get into this later. Oh, OK. Because this here is the entrance to Room to Breathe. OK, we're going into this sort of darkened corridors. Dark blue walls, I like it. <laughs> Very creaky floor. OK, and there's some words on a wall. The noise and overstimulation of the modern world gets too much for many of us. Room to Breathe is a dedicated space to help you experience art in a more mindful way. Oh, that's a nice idea. I like that. There's a variety of works from our collection and listen to original audio guides to help you to explore the art using mindful techniques. Ooh, could do with a bit of mindfulness. Oh, the furniture and the colour scheme are part of it. Number and height of artworks, text and audio meditations have all been carefully chosen in a way that we hope will encourage deeper engagement with art and reduce stress. So actually these blue walls and these lovely sofas with cushions on. Are they blue or the green? I don't know. It's like a bluey green. It is a very deeply kind of calming colour, isn't it? I feel like I want to paint a room in my house this colour. It's going chilling. That is a good look. (laughs) So we're entering the main space of Room to Breathe now. It's a lovely, lovely room. A sofa, that is what I'm talking Uh, about. Let's have a sit down. This looks like a really cosy sofa. (sighs) Are we getting to the age where we're going... (sighs) I feel like we are. (laughs) I'm just missing a cup of tea now. This is very relaxing. You know what? There's only, like, two artworks in this room. I'm just noticing how sparse it is. You think that's part of it? So this one that we're looking at, it looks like it's... At first, I thought it was, like, paper mache or something. But it's, like, some sort of... Um, it's, like, really thick oils or something like that. Oil paints. All swirled up. It's totally mesmerising, isn't it? What's really cool about it is the texture. To me, it's, like, standing right out from the from the canvas and kind of coming towards us all these kind of caverns and, and lumps and bumps and it's just so textural, it's, it just draws you in. I think this is a bit of a raw shot for me because I'm not finding it relaxing I'm reminded of the clown from it uh, really? I'm sorry, the colours <laughs> Do you know what, I'm seeing a face in it I can, I'm kind of, you know that thing you do when you look at clouds and you're yeah. like, oh it's this, it's that I can see like two eyes and like a kind of classical looking, looks like an old composer or artist or something I don't know, can you see that? Um, I cannot. I can just see a sort of smile at the bottom, which is just reminding me of Pennywise the Clown. <laughs> Hello. Hi. Hi. Are you nice and relaxed? <laughs> really yeah. relaxed, thanks. <laughs> That's the whole point of the room. Um, my name's Fiona Corridan. I'm a curator here at the Art Gallery, and I worked on this exhibition, Room to Breathe, with our wellbeing manager, Louise Thompson. So we're really looking at the art gallery to have our own wellbeing manager, well, and it's really important to us. What's this about? <laughs> so, an art gallery with a wellbeing manager. Yeah. What is this? Oh, it's getting more <laughs> and more common that there are wellbeing mm. representatives in arts organisations. So, I suppose anecdotally, we've known for a very long time that coming into a gallery, spending time with art, helps you take time out, relax, mm. uh, inspires you. Um, but there's been a huge amount of research over the last few years about the kind of the psychology, the brain function, anything that kind of happens whilst you're looking or making art even uh-huh. um, and how important that is. So it's very important to us here at the gallery that we use our collection in a kind of mindful way to try and encourage people to spend time looking at art so that they can kind of 
top up their reserves, I suppose, mm. um, and have a different kind of perspective, different kind of influences in their lives. Maybe just to come in at lunchtime and take half an hour out and spend time looking at work. It's funny because I'm writing a piece at the moment which is about the history of Manchester and Manchester's identity, and it's the first modern city as we know it on planet Earth, mm. and sort of industrialisation and everything, and, and so much is, you know, the worker bee, you know, being the, the, the animal for, for Manchester, and so much is about work, industry, but it's great that this amazing fortress in the middle of this place, it can be a, a refuge. Yeah, and I think this building was... A very imposing building when it was mm. first here, and, the, and there was a huge amount of space around when it. Did, when was it built? Uh, 1837. Oh, it was, eight, oh, so, yeah. was 1800s. Yeah, so and now we're surrounded by glass and tower blocks, and yeah. mm. you know, we're kind of a small building really in comparison to a lot of other buildings in the city, mm. but we're a constant. I'm still trying to work out how to be a writer, but yeah. Often for me, like, actually Manchester City Centre has been there for me in various points in my life. There were times when, either because I'm stuck on a project and having a massive head mash, or just, gosh, I can remember having, like, a crisis of, like, spirituality one time, and I was just... I remember, like, walking behind Central Library. You can't walk through that little um, passage right now because it's a big glass thing. But, yeah, I can remember, like, in the middle of the night, going for a walk on my break and just... Just feeling a bit mindfulnessy thing, sort of touching the concrete on the floor. I can remember sort of kneeling and praying. It was that kind of peak level of existential mashup and just feeling needing to be tethered to something and sort of feeling God in the concrete, you know. Yeah, I love Manchester. I love the grit of it and I love the, the swagger of it and community, but at the same time there's there's a hardness as well. noticed it's really sparse in here mm. so we've got two artworks that are basically facing off each other we've got a really beautiful portrait by Lucien Freud and then another wonderful portrait by Frank Auerbach so should I take you over to have a look at yeah. maybe the, the Lucien Freud and this this isn't like the Lucien the one where he does lots of nudes and yes. people kind of look like lumps of meat yes but, but this, this is, is a not very that. very early work so this is from 1951 it's a really kind of small scale work and whenever I've looked at it in the art gallery before it's been surrounded by other paintings so I was always keen to get it on its own so people could really focus on it and hang it relatively low so that you can sit in a really comfortable chair and just spend time with it and I think because the sitter is a young woman she was an actress actually in the in the 1950s an Irish actress who got to know Freud Hmm. um, and she had to sit for him for 150 hours what? So one thing, the way that he worked was he really wanted to get to know his sitters, get inside their minds and give as truthful a picture of them as he possibly could. So he would paint them um, in great detail, everything from kind of little hairs out of place. You can just see, it's called Girl with Beret, and you can just see her hair sticking up over a beret. He's tried to kind of capture the truth of, of the sitter and I think it works really well in this space, particularly because she does look quite pensive. Mm. It's really kind of cool tones. It's kind of pale greys. Mm. She's got really beautiful kind of light blue glassy eyes, but she's kind of looking off to the side as if she's in thought. So she's not staring directly at you. Mm. So what are... It would be a bit much, actually, if she was staring right at us. It would. You, wouldn't, you probably wouldn't spend as much time with it. 
And we did do some research quite early on to, to try and see how long people looked at an artwork, and the average was 19 seconds. So one thing we wanted to do was to try and get people to sit and spend time with just one work mm. and really kind of absorb it. Hey, Tess, come and sit down in these chairs. <laughs> these <laughs> chairs are beautiful. So we do all <laughs> sorts of things with this work. We do some live kind of mindfulness meditations where we talk you through the work. Or you could just sit here and look at it. Yeah. Or you could download an audio meditation. We work with a company called Limina Collective who created their own audio that talks about different aspects of the work in a really kind of mindful way. Turning towards the collars in the jumper or pullover this woman is wearing. Let's find darker and lighter colors. Whenever the mind goes into thinking, you could allow it to gently come back into the looking. It's really, it's because she's not doing a Mona Lisa. There's like not even a hint. It's such a neutral expression. It reminds me of one of those um, actors' photos. What are they called? Headshots. But like, in, and it, you, you have you project your emotion onto it. And actually, like, there's this thing of like, you mentioned that he was trying to sort of unearth the truth of who the person was. I reckon as an artist, and it's I'm sure theorised a lot. Like, it's what we're really doing is. We're getting Lucian's interpretation of her. Yeah. It's his perspective on her. Because we never really portray things as they are. It's always about our relationship to that thing. Do you know what? It's interesting that you said she's neutral. Because when I look at that, I think she looks really sad. I feel like she's quite pensive. And her eyes have almost got a kind of slight moist quality to them to me. And I feel like she's sort of almost welling up and looking like she's been through something. Or is just reflecting on something that's been really hard for her. I think that's because you're a healer, Han. Do you think that's where I'm at? <laughs> <laughs> going to no, I, th- I think I think I think that's because you're, you're innately a person who, who heals people. I think through your art and through who you are, I think you're awesome. Um, oh, whereas thanks. me, on the other side, I'm seeing psycho killer clowns. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> talking of which, shall we go and you. have a look at the? Yeah. Um... <laughs> How come you chose this one then? Because it doesn't it doesn't strike me as being like a typical thing that you'd think of as being relaxing. No, I know. <laughs> yes. So, the, the whole project Room to Breathe, is, so for about six months we'll have two portraits in this room and then we're going to move on to two other types of work. So, for, for the next couple of years we'll be swapping the works around. We wanted to also try and get a sense of what kind of works people spend more time with or what kind of works that might affect them kind of physiologically. So, um, we started with portraits, we're going to probably go for landscapes next. We've had a public vote for what people want next mm. then there'll be abstracts there'll be sculpture so you can come in every few months and there should be something new for you to see um, but the reason we chose this Frank Auerbach portrait it's called Head of EOW it's a bit later it's uh, early 60s so Frank Auerbach yeah is that German dude he was yeah he came over at the beginning of the war so there's a lot that the two artists have in common in terms of their background. Mm-hmm. They both have a background as emigres that came to work and, and paint in, in Britain. Mm-hmm. They knew each other. Hmm. They liked each other's work. This painting used to belong to Lucian Freud. Wow. Interesting. So when he died in 2011, his estate gave away lots and lots of Frank Howe about works to different museums and galleries around the country so that they could be seen. And so we acquired this one. And we've always wanted to show them together because we know that there was that kind of connection with their background. They really appreciated each other's work, but they're vastly different. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I I noticed that you two were already sat here when I came in and you were talking about 
that work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when I first saw this, I couldn't tell if it was like plaster of Paris or, or mm. what, what is what is the form? It's just really thickly Medium. applied paint. So oh, right. he would put it on with a palette brush, he would squeeze the tube on. So you can kind of make out a head. So it is like oils or sort of really it thick is, oils. Right. Yeah, it's just really, it's called thick impasto paint. And actually oh. it's behind glass, but underneath there'll be a crust that's formed on top, but there probably will be quite wet paint underneath. Wow. That's deep. And so this is an amazing mindful space, is there? Mm. It, does it extend out into other parts of the gallery as well? Yes, yeah. We, we've got a really strong programme of mindful activity, so there are different audio guides that you can download that w will attach to different works. And then we, we used to do this programme called Take Notice, where you would spend time with an artwork with Louise or a mindfulness expert that would talk you through them, but we've decided to do that as audio now because mm. if you're not there at the time, you miss it. Um, but there are there are a lot of different things that you can kind of participate in that will help you kind of relax, take time out of your day and really kind of appreciate the work. And actually another one that we have worked with is, is a Lowry, which is in the next room. Should yeah, we, let's go see that. Yeah. I love a bit of Lowry. Is there a sofa? I'm absolutely loving this. Sit, <laughs> sit on a sofa and look at a painting vibe. All galleries should do this. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we're now in um, a gallery that's dedicated to Lowry and Vallette. So a lot of people will know Lowry from his kind of matchstick people. Yeah. And Vallette taught Lowry in Manchester. Oh. And the really nice thing about this space as well is it's overlooking the town hall. And there's a really famous artwork by Vallette that's in here that looks at the town hall. Where's Vallette from? He's French. He was a French impressionist, but he came to Manchester and taught at the School of Art oh, here. Way. There's one work that that we've used in the past with our take notice sessions which is waiting for the shop to open by ls lowry it's from 1943 it's a time when in britain there was rationing so the image itself is a very industrial scene you've got lots of different figures from different walks of life they're queuing up outside a shop which is called fish and fruit so it's a grocer's shop but they're obviously waiting to go in and get their rations and then in the background you can see the more industrial scene with chimneys you can see telegraph poles um, and that's kind of quite faint and almost misty but then in the foreground the characters really stand out there's lots of different splashes of red um, there are some characters that are kind of looking directly at you but there's also a sense of movement with people in the background as well so when we're looking at this from a mindful perspective, we really kind of get deep into the composition, the colours and the light. Yeah, lots of different ways of looking at a Lowry that maybe you wouldn't necessarily do if you were looking at it without that kind of perspective. Mm -hmm. It reminds me a bit of that when you see really old photos of, um, of Manchester even, you, you often get like one or two kids clocking that there's a camera and looking right at you <laughs> and there's two characters here which have like spotted the painter <laughs> it's really cool i don't know about you but I'm, i get quite a visceral reaction to well all of lowry's work but this one you know is no no less it's it's just because i live in a quite um, in a city area now um, in north manchester and although there are there are changes like the way the buildings look and the way people dress there's mm. still that kind of especially at the moment with the kind of pressures from the government and not coming being, out of you know lockdowns yeah coming out of lockdown and everything's gone really expensive and people can't afford stuff mm. and some of these kind of expressions that you know they don't look happy they're kind of their heads about when i'm kind of walking through harbour hay cash converter which is near where i live um 
it's a similar thing still today, like people kind of with heads bowed and there's so many really sad stories of people who can't make ends meet at the moment. And so for me, this almost makes me want to tear up because it just is evocative of not only that, but how little has changed. I mean, this picture was when... 43. Yeah, 43. So so how are we still here where this is still a reality that, you know, progress has been made, but has progress been made? Because many, many people, even at the moment, are struggling in the same way. Mm -hmm. I think this art assembly idea is wicked, actually. It's a really (laughs) extravagant thing to put art out there on the city streets in its creativity and sharing and... You know. Stop democratising it, isn't it? It's like taking it from behind the cordon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the cordon in front of the painting was getting rid of that and saying, yeah, yeah. no, this is yours. Yeah. And in a, ta- in a kind of era where everything's costly now and the price of living's going up and all the rest of it, we're being given this amazing opportunity to just receive art. And, and I don't know about you, Andy, but um, being a musician, it's that headspace of it can get really intense and... Um, just going out and seeing someone do something in a different discipline, in particular art, because it's visual, it's not, I'm not having to think about my ears and what I'm hearing in my head. And mm. Just looking at some, someone speak to me visually, it's like a massive tank top up, you know, just you've been running on empty and you kind of go and it's like, okay, inspiration is coming back. <laughs> so I've definitely used this place in particular and other spaces and, and just the city itself as well, just to kind of engage my senses in a different way when I've been used to kind of using that inner ear that you have to access when you're a musician just using your eyes and seeing what someone's saying in that way is like super inspiring i don't know if you get that like at the moment like there's a need for that headspace um to to see beauty mm-hmm. to see creativity around us yeah come on let's go <laughs> it's art mm-hmm. an assembly of art Thanks for listening to Meet Me at the Museum with me, Testament. And me, Hannah Taylor-Jackson, here at the Manchester Art Gallery. If you like this episode of the podcast, please rate, subscribe and tell your mates, innit? And don't forget, you can show your love for museums with a National Art Pass. It gives you great benefits at hundreds of venues whilst raising money to support them. Whoop! <laughs>